Our first speaker that is up this morning for the 2023 Midwest Catholic Family Conference is a man whose unwavering devotion and commitment to the Catholic faith has reached and inspired thousands. Father Lawrence Carney was ordained for the Diocese of Wichita in 2007, and in the decade and a half since, God has placed him on a very unique journey. He has taken to the streets in cassock with a crucifix and a rosary in hand, inviting souls to experience the transformative power of our faith. He has also become an author. In 2014, he was appointed chaplain of the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles. And in 2017, he initiated the League of St. Martin, a pious association promoting reverence, reparation, and reversion. In 2022, in continuation of his holy work, he was appointed a missionary priest of the Diocese of Wichita. Also last year, Father authored the inspirational book, The Secret of the Holy Face, The Devotion Destined to Save Society. It gives me great pleasure to welcome our very own Father Lawrence Carney to the stage. We're going to say a prayer, so if you want to kneel or stand or sit, whatever, please feel free. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Our Lady of the Holy Name of God, Our Lady of the Snows, Saint Dominic and Saint John Marie Vianney, all our patron saints and guardian angels, in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Ghost, Amen. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. The organizers called me up and said, would you like to speak? I said, absolutely. What about? They said, speak about your walking in the street. So think of being at a campfire, and I'm just going to talk, share stories with you. So put on your seat belts, put your hands close to the fire, but don't let them burn. So I was born in November 11th, 1975 at St. Francis Hospital. And I was baptized at St. Joseph, which is roughly a mile and a half from here, St. Joseph Parish. And I went to Catholic schools. And then I went to the seminary at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland, where a few saints walked, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and St. John Neumann. I was ordained in 2007 at the cathedral here. I was a pastor, associate pastor for six years, and then I spoke to Archbishop Jekylls, who was then the bishop of the diocese, and I said, Your Excellency, I think God wants me to do something else. And so he gave me permission to go out 
and discover what that was, a time of prayer and discernment. So I got my backpack and went to Europe and walked around the nations there for six months. And I went on the Camino, which I'm sure many of you know, is that great pilgrimage to see the bones of St. James, Camino Capistella, which is Camp of Stars, because Bishop, excuse me, St. James, he was killed in Jerusalem, the first martyr of the apostles, but before that he went to Spain and he propagated the faith and they wanted him back, so they buried him in Santiago, northwest Spain. And there were stars above his grave. And so they exhumed his body. And now people can go there and touch his relics. So I went on this Camino for 32 days. And my friend John Classen said, why don't we just sleep out under the stars every night? I said, OK, discerning God's will. So the first morning I woke up, I was exhilarated. I was so happy. I heard a dog barking. That's how I woke up. And I'm like, I can do this. And then 32 days, we took a break on Sundays. And we stayed in a private hostel, which is a fancy name for a little cheap hotel on the Camino. Plus, in Europe, they like to do co-ed bunks. And I'm a priest. I can't be doing that. You know, I got to be modest. It's... It's just, I want to get to heaven. I don't want to commit sin. So, and along the way, I was wearing my cassock, and guess how many people came up and talked to me over 32 days? About 1,000 contacts. I thought, ooh, there's something about this. So, I came back to America and a year before I went on the Camino, the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, the nuns in Gower that have this incorrupt nun now that was exhumed in May or April, they asked me to be their chaplain. I said, no, I'm happy in Wellington, Kansas, where I was at at the time as a pastor. But I had spent a year backpacking and discerning, and then Mother Abbess asked me, Father, will you be our chaplain? We want to ask you again. I said, we've talked about this. I don't want to do it. He said, well, please reconsider. I said, well, I can't because you live out in the middle of nowhere, and I want to go save souls. I can't save deer. I can't baptize them. I got to go where people are. So she said, oh, you can go to St. Joseph, Missouri. And you know that phrase in Latin, ite ad Joseph, go to Joseph? That's what came out of that. And so I agreed. And at the time, we were in between Bishop Jekylls and Bishop Kemi. So the administrator of the diocese, Monsignor Hamburger, he checked off the box and said, I give permission. And then the Bishop of Missouri gave permission. And then it was like, OK, this is providence, because things like that don't happen easily all the time. So what happened, I was, I would say mass for the nuns. I would do confessions for them, and I would do adoration for them, and then I had a lot of free time. So in the afternoons, I would go into St. Joseph, and there's a kind priest there named Father Jambon who gave me a place, a room in the rectory, and I would take a crucifix 
missionary cross, and I would walk around and pray the rosary. And I thought, it's just going to be a simple thing. No one will really ever talk to me, no big deal. And then people started talking to me, and lots of stories started to happen. Then the newspaper of St. Joseph approached me. They called the pastor and said, Father, we want Father Carney to write a, to do an interview. I said, no, I don't trust those people. And the priest said, no, you should reconsider. So I said, okay. So I went to the coffee shop to meet the journalist, and she happened to be a Catholic. I'm like, okay, this is promising. And she's young. This is even more promising. So she did the interview, and I said, send me an email before you print that. And she did it. And I got it, and I read through it. There's no heresy. She's not bashing the Catholics. Yeah, this is fine. And she put it in the paper. And I kept walking for six months. And then a publisher called me, called Caritas Press, from Phoenix, Arizona. And the owner said, Father, would you like to write a book? I said, what about? She said, just write about the stories of the people you've met. Okay, yeah, I can do that. So that's how the world found out about me. I just wanted to be a simple little apostle, just converting souls. But divine providence would have it that now I'm speaking here in front of a bunch of people. And God's providence is at hand. So let me tell you some stories. One day when I was walking in St. Joseph, I would pray the rosary in my right hand, and I would carry the crucifix in my left. Because the thought is you pray your rosary in your right hand. That's just what I was used to. But then I read, I was reading when I crossed the street, this book called The True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. Please read it. If you haven't, read it again. That's what I said last night in the talk. And St. Louis de Montfort said they will carry a crucifix in their right hand and a rosary in their left. So I switched. And then when people honked, instead of having a rosary in my right hand, I would have the cross and I would bless them. So at the end of the article, another article that I did with St. Joseph, at the end I said, if anyone wants a blessing, just honk. So I was blessing people. I've blessed tens of thousands of people with this crucifix. Now, I'm going to get a little serious for a minute. If you've ever want to know more about the, the Latin Mass and the Mass, where it came from, there's a book I recommend reading called How Christ Said the First Mass. And the author is Dr. Meager. And he has a lot of neat things that are types in the, the Old Testament temple and the synagogue that cross over into the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. For example, after a sacrifice was done, where they had a holocaust in the temple, they had a burnt offering of fire. The fire would go out, but then there would be smoke that would be rising. And when the high priest would give the blessing, the, the, the Levite would say, prostrate, so they would the people in the temple would lay flat on the ground, just like I asked you to consider doing to kneel when I said the prayer. And what happened is a miracle happened almost every time. 
there was a fire that came into that hovering smoke. And when the high priest made the blessing, tongues of fire went out into the people. That was a type of Pentecost. That was a foreshadowing of that. And that happens every time a priest gives a blessing at the end of Mass and after the end of this talk, if I don't forget. You'll get that. And that's where our faith needs to get stronger. We need to know our roots. Where do we come from? We've got to be historical Catholics in these times when the enemies want to give us amnesia so we forget about our past. My first encounter ever in St. Joseph, I think it was the first day I was walking. I was walking on a busy street. There was Kentucky Fried Chicken, there was Popeyes, there was Pizza Hut, so they had all these parking lots. It was like a Tuesday, three in the afternoon in St. Joseph's, nothing's going on, right? So this lady drives up to me with her son, she's probably in her 50s, and she said, are you okay, sir? I said, yeah, I'm just walking around, just praying. She says, well, what are you? I said, I'm a Catholic priest. And she says, are you sure you don't need to eat something? Are you lost? Are you wandering? Are you homeless? I said, no, I've, I've got a rectory I live in. I'm doing fine. And she said, well, here's a $50 bill. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm just walking around here praying a rosary. She said, well, you can use that for yourself or for somebody else. So that started the whole idea that People donate money to me, and I help poor people in the streets. <clears throat> like, I'll go, off the, I'll go off the script. I'm not going to look at the script now, because storytelling, you just tell stories when they come in your mind. <clears throat> Over here, right behind the cathedral, there's a lot of homeless people. And it's kind of a, it's a dangerous place. But whenever I walk around there, People want to talk to me. So a couple weeks ago, this lady, middle-aged lady and man, they, they wanted to go eat, and they wanted to go to Spangles. So I said, yeah, let's go there. And I ordered it, and the lady behind the counter was so kind. I only had a $100 bill because donors give me $100 bills, so I got to use them. And there was no change. So the, the kind lady went into another room to change the $100 bill, and she gave me four 20s, and then she took the rest of the change out of the cash register because it was $13 for two people, a good deal. And these people wanted mudslides. And we had a great conversation, and the lady behind the register said, I love you, sir. I said, well, here's a rosary. I would love you to pray that. And so that was a joy. So... It's just fun what I get to do to help the poor, but it also helps the richest people because they can help the poor and the people in the middle that have lost their faith. Maybe they see a priest walking, and that might help them. So before I was a missionary, I was a pastor, and I was in Wellington, Kansas, for two years. We put out signs before Lent, if you want to become Catholic, we're going to start teaching. And people would call and they would come. And I would give the lessons once a week. We had this lady who is roughly 85 years old. 
And she said, I've always been interested in you Catholics, but my parents were good Protestants. I always think to myself, I want to be Catholic, but what would my parents think? I said, it's okay, just come and learn. So she came, but then she left. She didn't come anymore. So I would go visit her once a week, and I would just talk to her. And I said, are you still interested in resuming? And she said, not really, but I really love you Catholics. I'm just struggling with this. So one day, she lived catty corner from the rectory where I lived. I was inspired to talk to her, but something higher gave me peace and said, no, just pray your rosary and walk by her house. So I did. The next day, she called me and said, Father Carney, I have to tell you a miracle. I was in my bed, and I was just asking God what he wanted of me, and Our Lady appeared at the foot of the bed, and then I saw you walk by praying the rosary. I want to become Catholic. I'm like, oh, that is awesome. That's how God works. And so she became a Catholic, and she's long passed away. So that's why... It's important that we have to be contemplatives before we can be active. The soul of the apostle depends on our relationship with the Holy Trinity and with the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints. I'm authoring another book that will be the total consecration to the Holy Face and how God draws the soul through the purgative way, the illuminative way, and the unitive way. If times get worse out there and they take away our churches and priests, they can't take away our interior life. So that's gold. And miracles will happen the deeper we get into love with the Trinity. It's not an emotional thing, but it's our will doing good, avoiding evil. It's our intellect wanting and knowing the truth and rejecting the lie. We don't want to be children of the lie. I was also a pastor in Girard, and I would walk around just because it was good. I would pray the rosary, and I would always wear this cassock every time I walked. And one time, a man said, Father, do you do drive-by confessions? So I said, absolutely. I've got the technology. I pulled out my stole, and I said, okay, let's do this. And we stood in the parking lot. And we talked a little bit, and I said, you know what? We're only two blocks from a confessional. Why don't we just drive to that? And he said, okay, Father. And so he went to confession. And it had been a number of years. And his faith, face was ashen before, and afterwards it became clear. And he became a very prominent member in the, the church then at that time. So this is a great thing for priests to don the cassock, which is a sacramental. A sacramental is instituted by the Holy Catholic Church to give grace. The sacraments are higher because they're instituted by Jesus Christ to give grace. So under the sacraments, we have the sacramentals. So a cassock and a habit, you see the fine religious here wearing habits. Thank them for doing that and priests that wear their cassock. You, they're blessed they're blessed and they give grace and it's a good idea for priests and religious to wear their habit even in their own room because it reminds us of who we are 
hey, I'm a priest. I don't need to look at the internet at that porn. Because if I fall, everyone that's below me is going to fall because grace flows down. So the sacramentals, crucifix, rosaries, they're a big deal to me. That's why we want to bring the sacred into the world. Theron, Sacra, and Mundum. Bringing the sacred into the world for conversion. So I went to Rome, and my friend said, you're wearing a Beretta. That doesn't look very nice out in public. That's really meant for a liturgical thing, for the Mass and for the Divine Office. My Italian friend will buy you a Saturno if you want one. So I can't wear it here. But a Saturno is a Roman hat. It's called Capilla Romano. And it's a hat that the clerics wore in Rome. In fact, it was against the law for a cleric not to wear one until 1962-ish. And then the, the priests, when it was for, not forbidden anymore, they threw them in the, the Tiber, which I don't recommend. Those things aren't cheap. So it, it fits the cassock. So my friend said, if my Italian lady buys you a Saturno, will you wear it all the time? I said, sure, because I'm going on the Camino. I need something to protect my face from the elements. So she bought it, and I put it on. And another priest just looked at me and just shaked his head, like, we don't do that anymore. I said, well, too bad. My benefactor said I need to wear it, so I got to respect the wishes of my benefactor. So I wore it, all the, and I keep wearing it. And it draws people. In fact, it drew a Protestant one day in St. Joe. He was driving a white Lincoln. He was about 35. It's about 10 years ago. He got out of his car and he said, what are you doing? I'm wearing his cassock and his Eterno. So he's a Protestant. He's never seen anything like it. I said, you see this rosary? You see this crucifix on the end of it? You've just been caught. I'm fishing for souls. <laughs> and you just stopped and got caught. Now I'm talking to you. And we had a great conversation. It was like one of my best brother friends. And I said, you know what? You're a Protestant. You're a heretic. He liked that. <laughs> he still hasn't converted, but he keeps talking to me. Pray for Michael. So, a little history lesson here. If anyone has heard of St. Francis Sales, raise your hand. Great. Half of you know, more than half of you know, the great doctor of the church. He's known for his charity. Do you know when he was 29, he was a priest, and he went to a city called Chabla, and he walked around, and he talked to the people, and he wrote little pamphlets and put them under their door. And at nights he would pray for them, for their conversion. Because the people of Chabla were Catholic, 72,000 of them, and then when Calvin's disciples came, all of them went to the Protestant church except for 100. And he kept working at it. One day, after two years, he had a Eucharistic procession that went for one parish to another for two miles. There were 10,000 people. 
And then he did it the next year, and it's like half the city, 36,000 people. Remember, these people were Catholic only like a decade before, so they still had their Catholic roots, even though they were Protestant. But after his four years, guess how many people of the 72, 71,900 Calvins, guess how many reverted back to the Catholic Church? All of them except for 100. That's the new evangelization. Because the old evangelization is taking pagans who've never heard of Christ, bringing them to Christ, and then they convert. Like St. Francis de Sales, he converted one to two million pagans in India. His arm got really tired making all those baptisms. That's a worthy exercise of a right arm. So my dream is to be a trendsetter for priests, St. Francis Sales, St. Francis Xavier, to get back out there. And you know, after I started walking around for six months, I started to think I'm a very slow learner. Wait a minute. For three years, this is what Jesus did. He walked around before the churches were built. He walked around. And that's why I love meditating on the passion on when he's on the cross to kiss his bloody feet because he put his feet on the ground for us. And his blood has come onto the ground and your ancestors gave you the faith unless you're a convert. You've received it from the powers to be, the Holy Spirit. Just love it. So what's the secret? There hasn't been a whole lot of conversions yet because I'm a wretched sinner. But I need your prayers. But I hope someday that the city of St. Joseph will become Catholic, all of them, 76,000, that the whole county of Sedgwick become Catholic, over 500,000 people here. And someone living in St. Paul, Kansas, said, Father, I love your prayer request, but what about our county? I said, okay, St. Thomas's charity starts at home. You've got to start at home, and then if you win them all over there, then you go out. So we got a lot of work to do. All of you that are Sedgwick County people, please pray for my mission because your prayers can go through me. And once you start dropping a little pebble in a glassy pond, the ripples will go out. And that's what our hope is. If the devil doesn't put a wrench in this, I want the whole city. And I told Bishop Kemi when I asked him, can I come here and walk around? And after he proved that, I cried, and I said, I don't want anyone going to hell. That's why I do this. And we don't just fall into heaven. It's not just through death that we get to heaven. We have to try. Otherwise, what's the point of him dying on the cross? What's the point of me going out there when it's 100 degrees? Okay. When it's 100 degrees out, well, I don't walk when it's that hot. About 90 is the most. So we have powerful allies. The Benedictines, Queen of Mary. The Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, excuse me. They pray for me, for my protection. I didn't think I'd be able to be doing this for 10 years as a priest now. But God has me 
still doing it, and the Benedictines are very powerful allies. They chant the divine office in Latin eight times a day, matins and lauds. They wake up at 4.45 and chant for an hour for you and for me to bring down God's mercy upon us. They have a, this, they have a sung Latin mass every day of the year except four times, four days a year because their voices need a break. They're chanting all the time the praises of God. And they have Sister Wilhelmina that incorrupt that they found. So let me tell you a story that has a miracle. Oh yeah. There's a lady who read my book called Walking the Road to God, which is the stories that I'm sharing with you. And she said, Father, I, I heard that anybody can become a Catholic. I'm like, what? I just assume everyone knew this. I thought to myself, I said, yeah, that's right. Catholic means universal. Well, she says, I didn't know that. Can I become a Catholic? I said, absolutely. So I called around and had her go to the Blessed Precious Blood Church in Tulsa. And she started taking instructions, but she had a health problem. And she was going to die, so she needed to go to the hospital. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray for a miracle. We need you to work for the League of St. Martin. And so she went to the priest and took her first communion. She was so happy. She drove herself to the hospital. She did the x-ray. And the next morning, when she was going underneath the gas mask, the doctor looked at her chart and said, why is this woman here? She doesn't need a surgery. She was cured because she received Holy Communion. I said, Miss Frieda Larson, now you got to work for us. So God had a plan. She was number two in marketing at UPS for the western side of the United States of America, so she was a marketing guru. She got early retirement, and she was freed up to work for us. And she really helped us to take the League of St. Martin from the ground level up. She was so beautiful, but she passed away after four years of working for us. And so that's a miracle that came from someone, her sister in St. Joe got this book and gave it to her to read, and she became a Catholic. So these will be available for me to sign. They're $15 a piece. And if you give them to people that aren't Catholic, perhaps Another story like that will happen. Well, there's another one. Someone else read this book. In Ava, Missouri, the nuns have a, a daughter house, the Benedict and Mary Queen, the Apostles, their first daughter house, so they have two convents, and they want to start another convent really close to where I'm standing. So I won't go into the details there, but we've got to pray for that. So it was Easter vigil. We had a little party at 11 p.m., and this middle-aged man said, oh, Father Carney, you're the one that saved my mother-in-law. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, oh, yeah, my mother-in-law was a fallen-away Catholic for 30 years, and she read your book, and she went to our family rosary. She didn't even remember how to say the Hail Mary. She had to have a little pamphlet, and she prayed a decade with us for the first time. And then she started going to Sunday Mass, 
And then she read in here, you've got to go do a general confession if it's been decades. So she went in line during the normal times, and she said, Father, I need to make a general confession. The priest was just beside himself. Wait a minute, you can't do that. You've got to call me when there's not a line. So she kept persisting, and they did that. And she started going daily mass. And then she passed away. So thanks be to God. God used this instrument of this book to help her. I got 10 minutes left, I think, so that's good. I got some more stories to tell you. Okay, so in St. Joseph, there's this shelter for men, and they have dinner at night, and I would come sometimes. And this young man had dinner with me, and he said, Father, when you're done, can you talk to me over there in the corner? I said, sure. So he said, Father, all I want is a blessing. I just need to get out of my situation being homeless. So I said, that's easy. I'll give you the blessing. And I gave him the blessing. Six months later, I'm walking around St. Joe, and I see this little truck, you know, those Toyotas that are real small trucks. And on the side of the truck, it said, City of St. Joseph. And this young man comes out with a tie and a white T-shirt, or a white sleeve shirt. I couldn't recognize him. He said, do you remember me? I said, I can't recognize you, but I've seen your face before. He says, remember, you blessed me. Ever since that day, my life has changed. I found a job, I got health insurance, and now there's a lady that I'm interested in, and I'm making a living. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, when people don't mow their lawn, I put a stamp on there and says, you need to mow your lawn. I'm like, well, that's great. You know, you're not homeless anymore. It's wonderful. And I said, anytime you see me honking, I'll give you a blessing. So we would talk once in a while, and I didn't know what the rest of his story is, but I encouraged him to become Catholic someday. Then there was a period in my life where I would mail letters to bishops of different dioceses and ask them, for the love of God, will you let me walk around and pray a rosary and carry a crucifix? And then when the bishop would send me a letter of approval, I would have authority to go walk. So I was in Homa Thibodeau, Louisiana, and I was down by the bayou. So it's bayous are not rivers. Bayous are like they're like rivers, but they actually go out to the sea, so they go up and down with the tides. That's why it's a bayou. It's really neat. So I'd been to this little town. It's a shrimp farming town, so people go out and they catch shrimp. And I'd been there a number of times, and I would walk around the town to pray my rosary. Well, one time, I was praying my rosary. It was cold out. I was just walking back and forth on the south side. The sun was out, just trying to stay warm. It was like February. And this young lady walks over to me and says, Father Carney, you don't know me, but I saw you a couple years ago praying a rosary. And I said to myself, you know what, I can do that. Let me tell you about myself. I've been living the life of a lesbian. I fell away from the church and I just didn't go to church anymore. But when I saw you, I was inspired. I went and made my confession and 
I go to Sunday Mass, the Latin Mass, and I go to the weekday Mass whenever I can. And I just want to tell you that. Thank you, Father Carney. I said, thanks be to God. When a priest goes out to be a visible sign, he's preaching a message by his actions. Even though I don't have a parish where I preach, when I walk around, 500 people, 1,000 people will see me. And we don't know the story unless they come up and talk to me and tell me what that's done. So the power of the prayers of the church can well up in my soul as a priest, and God can use my priesthood and your prayers as intercessory to change the hearts of the people. Didn't Jesus tell us, oh, that I wish that the world would be on fire with my love? Let's call the precious blood of Jesus Christ to pour down that our priests will do simple things like Jesus did walking around. Just a few simple things. You may wonder, well, why do you wear this zacchetto? And a lot of Jews come up to me and say, are you a rabbi? I said, no, I'm a Catholic priest, but I'm glad to talk to you. I'm a Christian. This is a zucchetto. But what happened, I love the old rules. I wish we would go back to them. We used to shave our hair right here. It's called a tonsure. When a young man became a cleric, he would be tonsured by the bishop, and the bishop would take small scissors and cut five pieces of his hair that would form a cross. And then it was customary for them to shave their head so they would walk around bare, but they would get sunburned. So this was used, you see? And actually, I'm still allowed to wear it because there's a book called The Church Visible. James Charles Noonan, Jr., he wrote that back in the 17th century, there was a pope who commanded all clerics to wear it. That commandment's never been thrown off the books. It's still the law. It's just in disuse now. So I'm being obedient to that, but I look like I'm disobedient. So the Miraculous Medal, I give out the Miraculous Medal quite a bit because Our Lady appeared to St. Catherine de Labore in 1830 in Paris on Rue des Bacs and told her there will be many miracles from the Miraculous Medal. And what's the prayer say? Many of you know it. O Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. So the nuns built a retreat house for priests up in Gower, and I lived there for three and a half years, and priests would give me all kinds of advice. And one priest said, oh, Father, did you know that there's a mass in the old Roman Missal called the Mass of the Miraculous Medal? You can take the prayers from that and say them in masses throughout the year, and you can pray for everyone that you've given a miraculous medal to. I'm like, that is awesome. I'm going to pray the Mass, the source and summit of our faith, for everyone that's wearing a miraculous medal. I've given out like 10,000 or so. So lots of people, they're wearing them right on their heart. So when I pray that Mass or those colics, those prayers are going right to the, their heart. So there's a story. I gave one to somebody, and three years later, this Camaro pulls up by me, and out comes two men. And there was the young man I gave a miraculous medal to. And his friend said, Father Carney, I don't know what you did. I've been trying to get this guy to become a Christian, 
from a whole life, and he never has, but you met him for five seconds and gave him that miraculous medal, and now he wants to be a Christian. I said, that's great. I said, now Our Lady has brought you to the knowledge of the faith. Now start going to church so you can get to heaven. So I don't know where that story ended. But anyways, I hand out lots of sacramentals, rosaries, miraculous medals, if I have them, brown scapulars. And then for good Catholics, they get chapel, chaplets of the holy face, and they get little cards, the golden arrow prayer. Because last night I talked about the secret of the holy face, the devotion destined to save society, and I want a million people to enroll in this great devotion. Because this devotion, our Lord has given to us a system of how to fight the Freemasons, the communists. Our Lord calls out the communists by name, free thinkers, the elites, the deep state, the deep church, the deep banks. This is how we can win. And we can just win by begging God to fight this war for us. So that's, I'm signing books right after this until the last person. This one's 30. And this book has not been advertised. It's called The Remedy, The Answer to Every Problem Known to Man. It's $15. And basically, it's a story that I have when I met someone in the street that has a problem. It's not really following good Christian morals. And then I stop with a cliffhanger. And then I insert it with our Catholic faith. So I asked a certain cardinal, which source should I use to make like a little catechism? And he said, his eminence said, go to the Summa Theologica of St. Thomas. I said, brilliant, your eminence. I was thinking of doing the very same thing. So what it is, is it tells, it, it gets the Summa Theologica out into the hands of normal people that don't have time to go to a seminary and to learn little bits of our catechism. There's things in here that I'm sure many of you don't know, but I, I try to make it in a way so it's digestible. And then at the end is part of the story. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Because people have free will. So, in conclusion, I want to thank you for listening to my stories. And please say lots of prayers for me because since I preach against communism and I want a million people to enroll in the Archconfraternity of the Holy Face, I have a target on my back. And I don't mind becoming a martyr. Before I give you the final blessing, I'll tell you one more story because I have like 30 seconds left. I did try to start a community, but I got too ill, so I couldn't do it anymore. But I did have one man in St. Joseph. I had up to three. But at the beginning, Joseph and I were walking on a busy street in St. Joe. I had just gone to confession that week, rosary and crucifix in hand. And then we heard this pelting noise, boom, 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 boom. There was a six-foot wall right next to the sidewalk because there's lots of hills in St. Joe. And the chips were falling off of the stone. And I got hit on the back, and I fell, and Joseph fell. And I thought I was done. But it was a paintball gun. (laughs) 
And Joseph said, Father, you should have seen the disdain on your face when you got up from that. I'm like, yeah, I was going to go to heaven. I was a martyr. I just went to confession. I was carrying a crucifix, trying to save souls, wearing my cassock, and God still wants me around, so I'm still here. You can't get rid of me, so please pray for me. Let me give you a blessing. If you'd like to kneel, please do so. Sit nomen domine benedictum, ex ex hoc nuc et in secula seculorum, domine exadi ratiunum meam, et clamor meos ate veniat, dominus fopiscum, et cum spiritu tuo. Benedictia de omnipotentis patris et filii spiritus santus, scendit super vos et maniat semper. Amen.